I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hey, what's up, guys? Derek Wetmore here from the Touch Em All podcast. Got a special episode for you today. No Phil Mackey. That's not what makes it special. Sorry, Phil. What makes it special is that this is a bit of a recast. This is from my Facebook Live video on Friday, March 23rd. We're six days away from Twins Baseball officially being back with Games That Matter. So I took over on Facebook Typically, I'll do it on the 1500 ESPN page. This time, I'm trying to grow my tiny, tiny little Facebook channel. And so I hosted it on my Facebook page. Uh, That's Derek Wetmore MLB, if any of you listeners are trying to go find that page. I gave three hot takes about the Twins season. They're not that hot, but for me, they're pretty hot takes. Uh, I talked about Jorge Polanco, Byron Buxton, Brian Dozier, the 25-man roster, and uh, what I think is going to happen with the pitching staff. So if you're interested in sort of previewing the season, we'll definitely have that episode for you next week when Phil is back on the air. But in the meantime, wanted to share with you guys a little sneak preview of just a solo chat. This is my Facebook Live session from Friday. Hope you'll enjoy. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Thanks for coming Hanging out, talking Twins on this beautiful Friday in the Twin Cities. Not really, but I am told it's not that beautiful in Fort Myers right now either. So don't feel too bad about it. It might snow this weekend in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Bloomington, where I'm at. But apparently it's not so rosy in Fort Myers. So don't feel too jealous. Jealous And uh, hey, real baseball is less than a week away. We're talking six days from the time of this recording the Major League Baseball season will have started, and I'm all about that. I want to get to three stories, and then I'll take your questions, I'll take your comments, whatever you got. So the first take is on Jorge Polanco. Jorge Polanco suspended, of course, for performance-enhancing drugs. He tested positive for Stanozolol. You can't do that. That is against Major League rules. And I was on... The Mackey and Judge show earlier this week, it, we sort of fought about this. We sort of got into it. For right or wrong, I'd say Phil and Judd are a little cynical about the way that this went down. They seem to think that this is like a conscious intention, that Polanco decided to take steroids and happened to get caught. Judd thinks it's just... A, Dumb decision to go back and train in the Dominican Republic and take whatever your trainer gives you. Phil, meanwhile, thinks that Polanco just sucked so bad last year in the first half that he took steroids to get better, and now he's just getting caught for it. So one interesting thing that I think about that is, like, we don't know when he tested positive. At least I don't know. Maybe that's known and uh, just hasn't come to public light yet. But one of the things that I'm inclined to believe is – Polanco saying after the fact that I thought this was a supplement with iron and B12. That's what I requested. I got it. I got supplements, thought that's what I was taking, and it turns out, nope, it was an illegal steroid, and you can't do performance-enhancing drugs in baseball, at least not some of them, and that, Stanozolol, is one of them. So here's my hot take on this, and we can move on. If you've got more Polanco questions, be happy to answer them. 
just based on the little bit that I know Jorge Polanco. And I want to stress little bit because you can think you know an athlete from 15-minute chats in the clubhouse. And I've been informed and I've sort of learned the lesson firsthand that you can think you know a guy and you don't. You just don't. You only know the side of him or her that that person wants to put out there. So measured hot take based on the little bit that I know Jorge Polanco, I'm inclined to believe him. I think he's telling the truth about being duped more or less. Now it's still a mistake. You're still breaking the rules and you need to be suspended by major league baseball. But I just don't think he should be painted as quite the villain that he's been painted here in the fallout from his PED suspension. So that's my hot take. I believe Polanco. Um, Who knows? It's a judgment call. It's totally subjective. I wasn't in Fort Myers when it happened, so I haven't talked to Polanco. I haven't talked to any of his teammates, frankly, since it came down. The idea, though, that, uh, that he was just gambling with getting caught and decided to take a drug that everyone knows is illegal... I'm not buying that. So that's my hot take. Hot take number two. I see the comments starting to come in. Uh, looks like David's joined. Dustin's here. AJ's hanging out. Guys, thanks for coming. Very awesome of you to uh, swing by. Um, hot take number two, and I wrote about this this week, is Byron Buxton. So a couple of Major League Baseball players have uh, signed contract extensions in the past week to 10 days. And the biggest example, of course, is uh, Jose Altuve. You guys saw that contract. Big money for a big-time superstar player. And uh, that's not the one that I was most curious about. We've also seen some other contract extensions come down. And and one of them that caught my eye is this guy for the Reds. His name's Eugenio Suarez. And he's a good player. He's a third baseman. Probably haven't heard of him. Maybe you have heard of him because he had a breakout year last year in 2017 where he really busted onto the scene and was a, a solid player for the Reds, but he was never like this huge prospect. So he signs a what's basically a seven-year, $66 million deal and probably could turn into an eight-year deal since the Reds have a team option that should be affordable. Uh, the hot take is that the Twins should try to do something like this with Byron Buxton, and they should try to do it right now, where I pour some cold water on that hot take a little bit is that, man, if I'm Byron Buxton, I'm not taking that deal. I'm not taking the same assurances that Suarez took and saying, sounds good, man, because Suarez didn't really have the prospect cachet. He didn't make a lot of money with his signing, And there's going to be some question like, oh, was his breakout for real? I I think that it was, but there's going to be some question. And you see what happened in the free agent market this winter, and you could see why a player might be like, "Uh, boy, I should just take my financial security when I can. I think if Buxton's the superstar that we're expecting him to be and that he showed to be over the final two and a half months of last season, you don't need to take this deal hedging your bets against future earnings. So two-part hot take. The Twins should try to lock up Buxton for seven or eight years like the Reds did Suarez. The second part of that hot take is that Buxton should say no. If Buxton's looking to maximize his financial, like total earning power in his major league career, don't take that deal. Uh, I don't think that, I mean, unless the, if the Twins came to you and knocked 
you off your feet with Mike Trout money. Okay, that's different. Um, but short of that, I wouldn't take a sort of quote-unquote discounted deal to sell off some of my free agent years to the Twins. I wouldn't do that if I was Buxton. So, uh, thought I had three hot takes. Okay, here's my third hot take. I wrote about it this morning. I don't know if you guys saw on the website yet, but talked about um, the final roster decision for the Twins. It's, oh, actually, I see Randy asks a question here in the chat, and that's probably the final roster decision. My hot take is surrounding the final pitching decision. The Twins, I mean, more or less, they've got three healthy pitchers, and they probably have two spots available, in my personal opinion, and that would be Phil Hughes, Tyler Kinley, and Gabrielle Moya. I think it's not even a hard decision. If I'm the Twins, I'm taking Phil Hughes, and I'm taking the Rule 5 pick, Tyler Kinley, Gabrielle Moya, nothing personal. See you in Rochester, and we'll see you at some point this summer. But he's got an option, whereas sending out Kinley or Hughes could get messy. So those are my three hot takes. I said I'd try to be quick. I was kind of quick. I was quick for my my track record. Um, but I do see a couple of questions rolling in here. looks like Randy, Robert, Dustin have some things. I, I'll get to these in um, – well, let's go in that order. Let's, let's start with the questions that are coming in on the Facebook page. And if we dry up on that stuff, then – Fine, we'll go to some of the other Facebook stuff that's come out this week. Um, do me a favor, if you're in the chat, just hit the like button. Um, I know I don't like asking for that kind of stuff, but it does help share the video out. It helps tell Facebook, hey, this is a cool uh, video that people are going to want to see. If nobody, like if people just kind of come join in and they just sit here, it means A, I'm not interesting, and B, Facebook's like, eh, everybody's, everybody's over that video. They don't need to see this guy talking about the twins. Baseball season is not for another six days anyways. Um, so let's go reverse order here. I saw Dustin had the first chat. He says, uh, agree with you. And I think he's talking about the Polanco. Um, or maybe he's talking about the Buxton. Uh, but either way, Polanco, I'm inclined to believe him. Buxton, I think the Twins should extend him. And I think those are two non, like, in my opinion, they're not hot takes. But when you disagree with enough people out there, then they become hot takes. So for my blood, those are hot takes. Uh, Robert had the next question in here. Oh, Dustin's clarifying. He says, I believe Polanco is innocent. He shouldn't be framed for not knowing what he took. Yeah, true, Dustin. But at the same time, he did take it, and so that is breaking the rules. So even if he didn't know it, I still think he has to serve his suspension. But uh, you know, when he aired out his trainer then I'm not blaming him for that. Uh, he knows he has to serve the suspension. The Twins know he has to serve it. But there we go. AJ says, hashtag free Polanco. All right, for whatever that's worth, I guess I'm, I don't know if I'm driving this bandwagon. <laughs> I'm not trying to get him unsuspended. I'm not saying that. I'm saying he broke rules, but it's not like, I'm not going to compare him to that uh, big home run hitter that the San Francisco Giants had once upon a time. And, uh, and say that this was just like a criminal abuse of the rules and of, of steroids for performance-enhancing reasons. So that's where we're at. Uh, Robert had the next question in here. I'll jump to him here. Let me read it. Okay, Robert's got a question about Trevor May. He says, 
A name I haven't heard mentioned recently is Trevor May. At one point, I thought he was tracking to be ready sometime in May. Is that still looking correct? Uh, I'll answer the first part, and then he's got a second part of the question here. Uh, yes. Well, Trevor May is tracking towards late May, early June. The date I reported during spring training was June 1st. Is kind of tentatively circled on the calendar for the Twins to get Trevor May back. Now, they did put him on the 60-day disabled list, and so that's definitely going to happen. You know, that's going to have an impact on he can't come back until the last week of May uh, from just a roster point. I think it's I think it's May 28th, I want to say, but I'd have to go back and count again. I, I think the last couple days of May is when Trevor May would be eligible to come off the 60-day and pitch for the Twins. Um, I think you just always circle in a little bit of wiggle room for that. You wouldn't say, um, you know, He's coming off Tommy John surgery, and we're talking about 13, 14 months of rehab here post-op. To then say he needs to be ready on this specific day, that's threading an awfully fine needle. Um, So I think they've given uh, that late May eligibility, and then I think June 1st is kind of the day scheduled. Now, another thing to consider here is, like, are the Twins going to need five pitchers at that point? Are they going to need a starting pitcher? Because I think Trevor May is a starter. I mean, we saw him have, uh, I mean, a bit of an up-and-down year in 2016 as a reliever, but considering all of the runs he gave up came in one bad stretch after what I, I think he was pitching hurt, yeah, you got to pitch through injuries. I get that that's part of the gig, but he ran up like a 32% strikeout rate and was looking like a legitimate late-inning weapon for the Twins out of the bullpen. So... In my mind, Trevor May is a starter. I asked Eric Falvey the same thing earlier this spring. He says Trevor May is a starter, so for whatever that's worth, these things can change all the time, of course. Maybe Falvey thinks of him as a starter now, and who knows? Then they have, like, seven healthy starters uh, on June 1st, and they need relievers. Okay, then you'd probably find a spot on the pitching staff for Trevor May in the bullpen. But uh, to answer your question, Robert, uh, at one point he was tracking – uh, to be ready in May. Last I talked with Trevor, which was uh, in Fort Myers a couple of weeks ago, uh, he had not had any setbacks. He was throwing fastballs. He was about to move on to change-ups and breaking balls in the ensuing weeks. And from what I understand, he hasn't had setbacks in that development. That would put that June 1st date in jeopardy. Um, so that's what I'm hearing on that. And then Robert's second part of the question also, considering the recent developments in the pitching staff, any idea if they're looking at rotation or pen? Okay, so that's for Trevor May as well. So I kind of answered that part of the question there. Um, let me uh, let me stick on the pitching staff here. Well, Randy's got a question on the outfield, but I want to quick get to something that I wrote about today. The, the final roster spot. I mentioned it was my third hot take. Okay, so... I think Tyler Kinley makes the team, the Rule 5 guy. I think Phil Hughes makes the team. But if the Twins are going to go with four starters, Phil Hughes is not in the starting rotation. Uh, is, does that make him in the bullpen for now? And then the first time that they can take uh, or that they should need to take a fifth starter would be April 11th. So I've got that date kind of circled on my calendar of what are they going to do. Hughes would be the you know kind of logical decision. I think that's a pretty fairly plug-and-play Try to get four or five innings out of Hughes. 
Um, alternatively, of course, you can go dig down into the minor leagues, option somebody or DFA somebody or put Tyler Kinley on waivers, and you get the option then of adding somebody like Adalberto Mejia. Maybe he makes that April 11th start. I don't know. I think it's too early to say for sure who's going to get it. But it does make it pretty, I'd say, convenient if the Twins have Phil Hughes in the bullpen, and then he goes and he makes that April 11th start. Here are your four starters, by the way. If anybody's in here and and hasn't heard the rotation, I see uh, RP joining the chat. What's up, Ryan? Um, we've got, on day one, Jake Odorizzi, which I don't like to brag, but I wrote about that a month ago, that Odorizzi makes sense as the opening day starter. And the Easy rationalization is that Boreos, who otherwise might be considered for the opening day starter, if he pitches on opening day, he doesn't get to pitch in Puerto Rico. So I think the Twins were viewing that as sort of a special circumstance, kind of a special moment for Boreos, who calls Puerto Rico home and has a ton of fans there. He told me in spring he's got people there that can't always make it to the U.S. to watch him pitch. So the opportunity to pitch in front of them would be something that he'd treat. That would be very special. He did say if they asked him on opening day, that's an honor too, and he'd never turn it down. I mean, how many guys get the chance to pitch on opening day? But I do think that the Twins had kind of had their eyes on the Puerto Rico series, and pitching opening day for Brails would rule that out. So anyways, that's why he slots where he does in the rotation. I got a lot of questions on on this Facebook page about – Kyle Gibson, number two starter. It's, it's not quite that simple, but they're going to go Odorizzi, Kyle Gibson, Boreos, and then that fourth starter, Lance Lynn, to start off the Pittsburgh series, roll that thing back over, and run through those four starters until they need a fifth. People are asking about fifth starter Kyle Gibson, and I was like, ah, kind of. Two things about that. One, I mean, it's just the circumstances, like, Lance Lynn is going to get an extra start in Fort Myers so that he can be stretched out after starting spring training late. Otherwise, I think Lance Lynn is ahead of Gibson in the rotation. And then the other factor we just talked about, Barreos pitching in Puerto Rico, I think that was too important for the Twins. Um, Typically, I'd say don't let sentimentality stop you from making the optimal lineup decisions, but in this case, I'm good with it. I think you still got your four starters um, I'm higher on Kyle Gibson than most. That's the other thing I'd say. Like, Kyle Gibson, number two starter, is kind of crazy. But Kyle Gibson, number four, back end, number five, I could absolutely see that being a reasonable expectation this year. So, uh, yeah, those are the two things I'd say. It's not as simple as saying Kyle Gibson, number two starter. And also, why well, got to hate on Kyle Gibson? I think he could have a good year. Uh, I see a few more questions coming in. Man, Mount people might not want to with uh, now that I'm giving Kyle Gibson some love, but uh, I see the questions that came in already. So if you're going to ditch the chat, <laughs> that's fine. I'll still address uh, the questions here. Hang on one quick second. Okay. I see Dave's got a question. Terry, Randy, uh, AJ and Dustin still in there. Brad and Benjamin. Let's get to these in that order. Randy wants to know, uh, Ryan Lamar or Zach Granite as the sort of like the 25th man on the roster. I projected the roster the other day, Randy, and I'm, I'm going to stay with my take of Zach Granite. 
Uh, a lot of people were talking about Eric Ibar's a slam dunk to make the team, and I said, mm, I don't know. Do the Twins need two backup infielders, or could they go with two backup outfielders? A guy like Robbie Grossman and Zach Granite would make sense to me. That's what I projected, and then uh, they cut Chris Heisey. They granted Ibar his release, I guess. Um, that's what I read from the reporters that are down there in Fort Myers today. Um, what was the other roster decision that they made? Well, maybe it was on the pitching staff, went sending out Tyler Duffy and Alan Buznitz. But, uh, yeah, I think it's Granite. I think Granite gives you a lot defensively. Not that you need it if you're the Twins because you're not exactly going to defensive replace Byron Buxton. <laughs> and you're not going to defensive replace Eddie Rosario. You're probably not going to pinch hit for either one of those two guys. You might pinch hit Max Kepler. And that's the spot where I think I could see it making sense that you go to a Zach Granite as a corner outfield defensive replacement, speed guy who can get on base. Yeah, you could do worse than having that on your roster. Um, I don't know if I see Granite ever overtaking a starting role in Minnesota, but I think he's better than a lot of people have sort of given him credit for on his way up the ladder. Um, as far as Lamar or Lemaire, I never know if I'm saying that right. Um, I talked to him this spring. I Unfortunately, I just addressed him as Ryan, and that was my mistake. I should have asked him. Um, but I think he's kind of a depth guy. I think he's had a good spring, and no doubt the Twins will notice that, and they'll be proud of uh, bringing in a guy on a minor league deal who then acquits himself well against major league competition. But with that being said, like we, we have to remember one major, major thing about the Derek Falvey-led front office and that is i can sum it up with three words the their philosophy about spring training and it's import byung ho park who had a great spring last year everyone was sure he was going to make the team he's your opening day dh what a great spring and the twins sent him to rochester to start the season because he wasn't on the roster they would have had to make a 40-man move I'm not saying that they made the wrong choice. In fact, I predicted that would be the choice. Uh, like It was like two or three weeks before it happened. I said, I good spring, but Kenny Vargas is maybe more likely to start the season because he's already on the 40-man. They value 40-man flexibility. They value the roster spot. And maybe they just didn't think Byung-Ho Park was that good, frankly. But they also weren't going to make the roster, in their minds, worse by manipulating it to get Park on the team just because he had a big spring. So give uh, Lamar his due for having a good spring, and certainly you could see him at some point this summer. But with that being said, um, I don't think a good spring gets you a spot on the 25-man roster. We've definitely seen that happen in years past, or uh, year past, I should say. If, if spring training performance was all that mattered, Byung-Ho Park would have been on the team last year. But the Twins front office is taking more into account than just what you do in spring. Uh, so let's see. I know I've got a couple more questions here to get to. I'm flipping over to Twitter just to make sure I'm not missing any Ken Rosenthal breaking news. That happens a lot. Let's see. Wait, did I miss a question? Yes, here we go. Terry. Terry wants to know, hey, Terry, thanks for coming. I uh, appreciate you stopping by the chat. Terry says, 2016, the Twins also opened the season at Camden Yards, and we know how that season started. 
dot, 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 and ended. Talk me off the ledge, hashtag pessimism reigns. Okay, easy. Terry, this team's way better than what they had. Not only in top-end talent, Byron Buxton has arrived. Miguel Sano, assuming he stays healthy and not suspended, has more or less arrived. Obviously, people have their questions about him. Can't run a 36% strikeout rate and be a superstar. But, and you also can't weigh 300 pounds and play 162 games at third base. But those are two star caliber players to build around. Eddie Rosario had a breakout season. He was fantastic. The Jorge Polanco news kind of sucks, but you're expecting for you're expecting a big second half out of him. Um, and secondly, they have to plug a hole for 80 games. There aren't a lot of teams who could plug in a player as good as Eduardo Escobar if their starting shortstop went down a week before the season started. So that's silver lining. I'm not saying it's good news. It's hashtag optimism reigns, somewhat silver lining that Escobar is a competent shortstop. Um, I don't think he's good with the glove. I get in fights with people about that. I think his defense is overrated. I don't think Escobar's a very good fielder. Um, But he held his own just fine at third base last year. He filled in admirably for Miguel Sano when he uh, basically busted up his shin with a foul ball. Uh, So that's decent news. The bullpen should be better. I think Addison Reed's a stud. Fernando Rodney had a great year last year after a terrible April. I definitely have my questions. He can't walk that many guys. He can't give up tons of homers. And he's 41 years old. You should have questions about him. But with that being said, I mean, if Trevor Hildenberger is like your third best reliever, fourth best reliever or something, you've got a really good bullpen. Um, Trevor Hildenberger might be their best reliever. He might make that a moot point. But um, all I'm saying is with the added depth and stuff like that, Terry, this team's better. The final, final optimism reigns thing I'll say about this club is if you have to go to your 12th starting pitcher, it's going to be a guy like, you know, Aaron Sleggers or whatever, Fernando Romero, throw somebody in that mix. It's not going to be waiver wire pickup, minor league deal, guy no one had ever heard of that used to pitch for the Saints and then came up and miraculously made it to the major leagues and is a great story and has no business pitching against those guys in a major league game. So the big difference to me, Terry, is not only the top-end quality of this team, it's also the length of the starting depth. That's important. Um, And then they're going to get to beat up on some bad teams in the American League Central. Um, I think the White Sox are volatile. They could be decent or they could be horrible. Um, I think the Tigers are going to stink. I think that the Royals are taking a big step back this year. So your schedule is nice. You've got good players at the top end of your roster. Buxton might be ready to be a superstar. Barrios might be ready to be a lead rotation guy. You added Jake Odorizzi, Lance Lynn, two perfectly capable mid-rotation starters. Kyle Gibson might turn out to be a back end of the rotation starter who is perfectly fine. So... That's like all of the optimism that I can wring out of the rag, Terry, but I hope I did enough to convince you that the Twins won't start this season 0-9 and they won't lose 103 games. That's my hot... Three hot takes earlier in this uh, video podcast, that's my fourth. The Twins are not going to lose 103 games this year. You can take that to the bank.
All right, Brad Simon says, uh, May 28th is my birthday, so great. That would be a good time for Trevor May to come back. Brad Simon also says, if Polanco ever has an OBP of 609 for a season, he can take all the steroids he wants. Well, I'm not sure that's the way the Major League rules work, Brad, but maybe uh, maybe the Twins could appeal to Major League Baseball and see if they can get that done. Just grant exceptions every once in a while. Sounds like he might be a uh, Barry Bonds backer. Uh, <laughs> Randy says, uh, Rodney blown saves over under seven. Under. If Rodney blows six saves, he will not get a chance to blow a seventh. This team is too good to uh, tolerate any funny business in the closer's role. They've also got some pretty qualified guys out there that could take over uh, if the need should arise. But uh, I don't know. Very curious to see how Rodney's March and April goes. I think it's actually kind of an intriguing way to treat the bullpen, to take a guy who, in my opinion, is not your best reliever and lock him into the closer's role. Maybe he does that, you know, pitch a clean inning, nobody on base, try to get through the ninth. And then if you've got bases loaded with uh, Jose Altuve at the plate in the seventh inning, well, that's a spot for Addison Reed and Trevor Hildenberger. Um, Dustin, I'll get to your question on Dozier in a quick second, but I see some other ones in here I should get to first. Um, Benjamin wants to know, most likely to make a surprise wild card run, Detroit, KC, or Chicago, he says, don't say Detroit. Uh, yes, I won't say Detroit. Don't worry. You would not have to make that stipulation. Uh, I think the Tigers are going to stink this year. I think the White Sox are going to uh, be a possible surprise team. I think they could be a bad team too. Don't get me wrong. I think the White Sox could stink. But I'm like pretty sure that the Royals aren't going to be very good. Um, some people have said that the Royals might be okay and kind of surprised. Like, I don't know if I had to pick between KC and Chicago, I think it's Chicago. They've got some upside prospects. You're seeing guys start to bubble up to the major leagues. Maybe, you know, Moncada impresses Michael Kopech. Maybe they have some guys who just, Hey, ready you sooner than we thought to be a good, good, good player in the major leagues. That would, to me, in addition to guys like Jose Abreu, that, to me, is a more intriguing team than the uh, Motor City Kitties and even more so than the Royals. So, I don't know. Benjamin, I'm not a betting man. Don't uh, don't go to Vegas with my advice. But if you're giving me even a over-under win total, um, I put Chicago in front of that line. Detroit probably in last. Dustin wanted to know... Uh, what is your take on the roster this year and about Dozier? All right, so... I wrote about Dozier earlier this year and or earlier this spring. And like it's kind of complicated because he's a good player. Brian Dozier's a good player. He's one of the Twins best and clearly one of their leaders um on and off the field. Um I've come to believe that over the years. With that being said, if you're going to go an extension for Dozier, you're taking him into his mid 30s. And you're doing so at a time when the free agent market just flushed out Neil Walker for like $4 million in one year. That's crazy. I mean, Brian, Brian Dozier is a better player than Neil Walker. Don't get me wrong. But Neil Walker is a perfectly fine player, and there should be a major league team 
looking to employ him at second base. Um, so that the Yankees went out and got him for basically nothing uh, surprised me a little bit, and I think it should make second basemen of the non-superstar variety, I think it should make them sweat. With that being said, we got some counter... What's the, uh, what's the term? Countervailing wins? I don't know if that's right. Uh, somebody who's better at like uh, sailing analogies, correct me in the chat. But I think that the, uh, the other side of the coin for Dozier is that Jose Altu- Altuve, who is a superstar, just got $150 bucks. I think it was a year before his contract ran out or two years before his contract ran out. Basically, Houston wins the World Series and makes a good faith gesture to lock up one of its superstars super long-term. And now Jose Altuve and all that he means to the city of Houston, the state of Texas, maybe, if they embrace him like that, and certainly to the Astros organization, he's not going anywhere for a long time. So with that being said, Brian Dozier is not Jose Altuve. He's also... Not Neil Walker. So if I'm Dozier, I'd be kind of excited. I'd be half excited, half nervous to find out what free agency holds next year. Um, maybe it's a little bit of a bad sign that a contending club like the Do- uh, the Dozers, the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, did not offer it a, a huge trade package for the two years that Dozier had left last winter. Um, I think if the league thought of Dozier as a you know an elite superstar, I think there would have been a deal that the Twins should have taken two winners ago. Um, but you never know how those things are going to shake out. I could say it's going to be a tough free agent market for Dozier next year, and then he could go sign an eighty million dollar contract and be super happy with wherever he goes next to hit his thirty five home runs in a different park. Um, if you're looking for like more fleshed out thoughts on from the twins perspective, why they wouldn't sign Dozier, I'd just direct you to my column. I wrote a five thoughts piece on Dozier. Uh, I basically said, Hey, the twins could pay him and they could sort of uh, put their money where their mouth is and do what kind of what the Astros did with Altuve say, Hey, we don't need to extend you, but we're going to, the twins could do the same thing with Dozier but they're probably going to try to save their money and spend it somewhere else is is what it's looking like right now. Um, I had five reasons, five good reasons for the Twins to do that. Um, Just off the top of my head, I mean, Nick Gordon's presence complicates things. Jorge Polanco did, and now that picture gets a little unclear. The free agent market is another one that you basically said, all right, if we do need a second baseman or like a shortstop next year, it'll basically be free. On the free agent market, um, I'm surprised no Twins fans have started the conspiracy theory yet about letting Dozier walk, moving Polanco over to second base, and signing Manny Machado to play shortstop for $300 million or whatever the heck it's going to cost. Um, not starting that conspiracy theory. I'm just saying I'm surprised one of you guys hasn't started it yet. So that's my quick take on Dozier, as quick as uh, my takes tend to be. But, Dustin, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like – uh, offended or, you know, put off if the Twins let him walk. At the same time, I could see wanting to flesh out this, uh, what a contract extension would look like for Dozier and at least get his side, gauge his interest in staying in Minnesota because he sure says all the right things. When he's talking with us in the media, he wants to be in Minnesota. But 
Um, yeah, if that love's not going to be reciprocated, I can't blame him for exploring his options. Let's see here. Oh, and the last thing I should say is I also can't blame the Twins for not reciprocating that love. Not when the prices are this low for a good second baseman out there. <laughs> Brad says, my favorite part of these things are when you stop to sip things. Yeah, just to be clear, it's 12.45 on a Friday. I'm not boozing it up yet. This is uh, just straight water. Talking, it turns out, for an hour straight for an introvert like me, turns out to be a bit of an exercise. So I, I've got to keep that on hand. All right, Dave Hansen, welcome to the chat. He says, uh, where were you when Vance Worley started on opening day? It matters for a Brad Radke. Uh, Brad Radke, Jack Morris, a Johan, or Irvin Santana. Where was I when Vance Worley started on opening day? Let me uh, let me look that one up. I don't think I was covering the Twins at that time. What year was that? I know I crossed paths with Vance Worley, but I don't know if it's when he was with the Twins or didn't he go to Baltimore? No, not in Baltimore. Oh, there's the answer to your question, Dave. Uh, so I'm looking at his baseball reference page. Obviously, he started with the Phillies and gets traded to the Twins in the Trevor May deal uh, for Ben Revere. 2013 was his only season in Minnesota. Then he goes to the Pirates. I was right. The Orioles in 2016 and the Marlins in 2017. So I can answer definitely where I was on that day. 2013 would have been, like, let's say, the beginning of April. I was at the University of Minnesota about to finish up my degree, and let's look at the schedule just to have the exact day. Wow, here's some blasts from the past. Players on that team, I'm on the baseball reference page right now, you guys. So Joe Maurer and Brian Dozier and Glenn Perkins, you've heard of those guys. Pedro Florimon, Kevin Correa, uh, new Mets reliever, Anthony Swarzak, former Rangers or, uh, infielder Trevor Plouffe, Current Twins special assistant, Justin Morneau. Uh, can't remember what this guy's nickname was, but Sam Deduno. Uh, is that Caleb Thielbar? I'm just looking at the faces. Man, I, I got to keep looking at this rush. I got to look at the names. That has to be Caleb Thielbar, right? Hosmiel Pinto? Uh... Who's that last guy? Is that the center fielder that they had? I got to cheat and look at the names. Uh, Cleet Thomas. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. Those are the guys that come up when you click on the 2013 baseball reference page for the Twins. Uh, other names you'll remember but for some reason are not pictured. Josh Willingham, Aaron Hicks, Ryan Domit, Chris Parmley, Oswaldo Arcia, Jamie Carroll, Chris Colabello, um, Alex Presley, Wilkin Ramirez, Darren Mastroianni, Doug Bernier, Eric Fryer, Drew Butera, Scott Diamond, Vance Worley. Vance Worley, I should get back to the Vance Worley question. Um, on opening day 2013, I was uh, probably studying for finals or pretending to study for finals is my guess. April 1st, 2013, uh, Believe it or not, Justin Verlander took the win and Vance Worley took the loss. 4-2 uh, twins lost to the Tigers. 
yeah, I was probably at school um, doing something. And then a month later, I was on a plane to Baltimore, uh, to Atlanta, actually, um, to go to Baltimore to cover the Orioles for that summer. I, I spent 2013 summer uh, working at Camden Yards, covering the Orioles as like an intern for MLB.com. Uh, when did I start? I would have started in like May for that. So yeah, I was definitely still in Minnesota when Vance Worley started. I wasn't paying that much attention to the twins that year. I was, uh, I mean, you read the press clippings and stuff. You read Pat Royce, but probably was paying a lot more attention watching the Orioles on MLB TV. Cause I was about to start a new job in a new market. It's kind of scary to know. I don't know very much about this team and I'd better learn quick. Uh, Manny Machado was, uh, that was his kind of like first full year. Who else was on that team? Chris Davis hit 53 home runs. Jim Johnson was great in the closers role. Adam Jones is a superstar. Um, Tommy Hunter was on that team. Ryan Flaherty. Somebody asked me about Ryan Flaherty the other day, guys. Uh, yesterday on Twitter, they asked me, Ryan Flaherty cut from Philly's camp. Would he be a possibility as a shortstop? fill in for the twins let me look up the scouting report that i gave and uh, i loved the response that i had for it i'm gonna get the exact uh the exact quote because their response was golden all right somebody says uh any conversations this was alan on twitter any conversation the twins would be interested in ryan flaherty just released by the phillies to fill in while polanco is suspended and I was interested, so I looked up his Fangraphs page. And then I was less interested, and I, uh, I shared this scouting report on Twitter. And if you ever had any doubts that I was born and raised in Minnesota, here's your stone-cold evidence. I said, I covered him for a summer in Baltimore. The scouting report, media good guy, and you can tell he grew up in New England after a short discussion. Also, totally appreciated his GIF fame from his battle with Araldus Chapman. He's fierce. Uh, and if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, that might be worth looking up. Although I'll, I'll caution you, if you're watching this video at work, it's not safe for work. Um, but I don't think he says anything. He just mouths the words that uh, would not be treated kindly by the FCC if they were shared on, uh, on this video, this podcast. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, and the, Alan followed up with, uh, so I said, yeah, you know, media, good guy, all that kind of stuff. And he said, so in other words, he's not very good at baseball. All right. You got me. That's, that's all I was saying. I would not, uh, I would not think that Flaherty would be a fill in when you've got a guy like Escobar, who's a better hitter and Adrianza, who might be a better fielder and a better hitter, um, just doesn't make a whole ton of sense. Um, but Dave, that is a great question. Thank you for asking about Vance Worley and allowing us to go relive the 2013 season. Um, the Orioles missed the playoffs that year, but by the end of the season, I actually, I was already back in St. Paul working for 1500 ESPN. And uh, so it was a short summer in Baltimore, but I remember a lot more from Orioles 2013 than I do from Twins 2013. So you guys would have to fill me in on the gaps. Fill me in on the details that I missed there that summer. Um, okay, let's keep going through these. This is great. If you guys have more questions, bring them into the chat because 
it's a small group hanging out today, but I appreciate everyone who did come to hang out. Uh, this has been pretty fun. Uh, Brad Simon says, hashtag I stand with Gibson. All right, so I'm not the only one in Gibson's corner. Lot of Gibson hate. Very easy to uh, pile on that guy, especially after the first half he had last year. Um, and then he loses arbitration to the Twins. All right. Uh, I still think he's a reasonable back-end starter, and uh, he could flame out, but I also think he's a decent bet to be a worthwhile starting pitcher that you're happy takes the ball 25, 30 times. Okay, Robert Nelson. Robert Nelson says, where are the fish? Do they survive while you're in Fort Myers? Thank you for the concern. I appreciate it. Um, I'm in my kitchen right now, or I mean, I should say my podcast studios right now. Uh, it's the only wall of the house that, uh, I don't know, that looks any halfway decent. So I came here and I set up, but uh, maybe I'll do the next video in front of the fish tank for Fish Tank Friday. Uh, the fish are great. Everything's good. Uh, I've got two tanks going right now. I've got plecos and cherry shrimp in one tank. Then I've got uh, pandacories, a, a bazillion golden mystery snails, and some autosynclus going in my planted aquarium. That's the one you've probably seen. That's the one I've done videos in front of in the past. Um, let's get some fish back in that tank, get a few more of them going, and uh, maybe, maybe I'll do another video there next week. Um, hey, do you know there will be real baseball next week? By the time we're doing this uh, Facebook Live video, there will have been baseball games that matter. So that's awesome. Thanks for asking about the fish, Robert. Always fun to talk about those, even if it's only for a minute. Uh, Brad says, Dozier, over under 25 home runs. I'll keep it short. Over. Uh, okay, Robert, back to baseball. Phil Hughes. Let's say Santana is ready to come back and Hughes is pitching like the Hughes of 2015 to 17. What options would they have? Could he be sent to the minors at this point in his career? So, I'll have to do some more digging on this, but here is my gut reaction to that. This is what I think could prove to be wrong, so don't hold this up as gospel. If Hughes is pitching badly... I think he has a minor league option left. I don't think he's out of options. Furthermore, he's not a 5-10 and 10 guy or 10-5 and 5 guy who's been 10 years in the major leagues, five with the same team, right? Uh, 2014, 15, 16, 17. This will be his fifth year. So I think you could option him. Um, I, gosh, I'll have to go double check because that doesn't seem right. But... Um, yeah, if he's pitching poorly and he's going to start the year in the bullpen and just isn't one of your 12 best pitchers, you know, you could put him on waivers and see if somebody would claim him and take the salary, or you could designate him for assignment and uh, try to find a trade partner that, partner that way, or, you know, release him, and at that point you'd owe him the full value of the contract and he'd be allowed to go seek employment elsewhere. It gets messy. That's what I wrote about in my column today, that the Twins should go the path of least resistance. I wouldn't cut Hughes right now just for the chance to keep Gabriel Moya as the third lefty in the bullpen. I'd keep Hughes. I'd see what happens. I'd probably pitch him on April 11th when the Twins need a fifth starter. And if it's two months into the season and Trevor May's back and everybody's healthy and Irvin Santana's back 
and it's just not working out for Hughes, then I don't know what else you do if you're the Twins. Um, it's a sunk cost at this point. So if he's pitching to like a six ERA, then paying $26 million for six ERA is worse than paying for $26 million to have somebody not on the team. Uh, it's not It's not exactly like the NBA where you just pay like a Steph Marbury to hang around on the bench and then pay him eventually to just go away. It doesn't work like that in baseball, and uh, it would get messy. Um, for, for his sake and for the media's sake, I hope that Phil Hughes finds it this year. I hope that the second surgery uh, – you know, fixes whatever was ailing him with that thoracic outlet syndrome. Um, Google, uh, if you're looking for a story on Hughes, I wrote last spring, and it's the exact same story this year. Uh, Phil Hughes, fastball 2017, 1500 ESPN, or something like that. I don't know. But, like, basically, as soon as he got hurt, he wasn't the same guy. And if you're a fastball cutter curve guy that doesn't have your fastball – you know, you're just grasping at straws, and I think that's what Hughes has been doing. Um, he'll never own up to that. He, I, I, I mean, he won't like blame an injury on his performance, but I think you can draw a straight line correlation that says, "Yep, Hughes got hurt. He wasn't the same pitcher. He was walking sort of a fine line, anyways, as a fastball up in the zone fly ball guy, without a huge strikeout rate. It's like, okay." You know, Scott Baker, Scott Baker's a good pitcher. And then if you lose it a little bit or you don't have that pinpoint control, it's a tough, tough ask um, to get outs with that repertoire. So I, I, I kind of think it's the same for Hughes this year. He's a great dude and he's super helpful with the media. So, you know, if it works out, then great. And if he earns his way back into the starting five, you know, more power to him. Um I do think that injuries just have a way of answering those questions for us. We don't have to make like judgment calls. Um, with that being said, it's hard to see him being one of the five best starters unless he's you know drastically improved from his past couple of years when you've got Irvin Santana, J.O. Barreos, Lance Lynn, Jake Odorizzi, and even Kyle Gibson I'd throw ahead of him right now. I mean, if he's the Hughes from the past couple of years, you've also got minor league depth that uh, that has performed better. So we'll see what happens. I don't know that I'll have a good answer for you today, Robert, on what happens with Phil Hughes, but that's, uh, that's what I think I know. And uh, somebody will correct me on that minor league options thing, I'm sure. Brad Simon, I'm going to go rapid fire, guys, because we are running low on time. But I see some questions here from Brad, Eric, Dave. I'll get to Spencer and Dustin before we wrap up this podcast. Uh, Brad Simon says, Twins all-star predictions. Okay. Um, Blindfolded, pulling names out of a hat because it matters who has a hot start, which can be lucky and variation. Like Just straight-up variance can make you an all-star. So Byron Buxton because his name's out there. Brian Dozier, because he'll hit a bunch of home runs. And pitching, pitching, pitching. I'll say Barrios. Barrios makes the all-star team for the first time in his career. Um, that's my predictions. That don't mean anything and will be proven wrong in two months. So there you go. <laughs> Eric, could a vet third baseman arrive in Minnesota when Sano is suspended? Trevor Plouffe? Interesting. 
Could? Yes. If Sano gets suspended, the Twins are thin, man. They're tough because then, what, Eduardo Escobar's your starting third baseman, which moves A. Ray Adrianza to starting shortstop role? Then who's your backup infielder? <laughs> you don't have one besides at first base where Logan Morrison's the only backup. Uh, yeah, it gets dicey. Trevor Plouffe would be interesting. I mean – had a bad spring with the Rangers. They brought him in as depth in case something happened with Adrian Beltre. That's what I heard anyways. And then nothing happened with Adrian Beltre. He's 39 and still chugging and a legend in the game. Um, Would Trevor Plouffe make sense for the Twins right now? Uh, I would go to just whoever the best available, not only third baseman, but preferably have some versatility. So Plouffe does not have that advantage going for him. Um, I'd be fine with it. You just kind of need some depth at that point for however long Sano is suspended. With that being said, wouldn't that be kind of awkward? Like, Sano took over for Plouffe, more or less kicked him out of town, and then Plouffe comes back for like a week if Sano is suspended and then gets optioned again? I don't know. I don't know what would happen then. And, uh, gosh, are we going to hear about a Sano suspension this week before the season starts? Um I'm just as curious as you guys to have an answer to that. Uh, Let's see. Dave Spencer. Thoughts on Morrison. Love the signing in offseason, says Spencer Warden. Yep, agreed with you. Logan Morrison fell into their laps. They pounced, upgraded the DH position. Robbie Grossman's a bench bat now. Um, Not much more to say. I did a whole podcast on Logan Morrison and why I like the move, and I talked to a Rays analyst who really likes Logan Morrison Really, really likes Jake Odorizzi, but uh, thinks Logan Morrison's a good player, good ad for the Twins. I'm inclined to agree uh, with that. Check out that podcast if you want to, Spencer. R.J. Anderson was my guest, and uh, he writes for CBS Sports and uh, just uh, follows the Rays really, really closely. Had some awesome insights on that podcast. Um, Spencer says, when could we see Nick Gordon up? There you go. There's your backup infielder if... Sano gets suspended for a week. Maybe it makes sense to have Gordon in the big leagues. Plug the hole at AAA Rochester for the time being. And either Gordon or Adrianza's, you're starting shortstop while Escobar starts at third base. Sano comes back, plug him in at third, move Escobar back over to shortstop, and you can send Nick Gordon back to the minors for development. Um, That's actually might be a better option than trying to find some waiver wire infielder to back up a couple positions. It's probably the path of least resistance for the Twins, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, otherwise, Spencer, when will you see him up? It really depends. Um, with Polanco suspended, you got a better shot. It could be that Escobar or Adrianza really struggles at shortstop, and the Twins need to turn it over to a guy they perceive to be the future. Well, if that's the case, maybe Nick Gordon gets his shot. Otherwise, I'd say probably not until September at the earliest. And... I had uh, minor league analyst Jake DePew on the podcast during spring training. It was a couple weeks ago now. But he said, this was before the Polanco news, obviously. He said that if everyone's healthy, uh, Gordon's probably not up until 2019. So we'll see. Um, Spencer asks, where can I find the podcast? You can either go to iTunes. If you have iTunes, um, search podcasts. Um, In the podcast section, search Touch Em All. And if you don't have iTunes, just search Touch Em All Podcast Twins or something like that in Google, and it'll come up. You'll either find our page on 1500 ESPN 
or you'll find our page on Podcast One or something like that. You'll find a spot where you can download the podcast. Um, do I have any more questions? Otherwise, I've got two plugs. Uh, Dustin says, oh, yeah, another question. Um, oh, and Peter joined the chat. Peter, what's up, man? Thanks for coming uh, and hanging out talking twins. Dustin wants to know, who do you think would be pitching on my birthday, April 17th, because I'm probably going to be going to the game? Great question. Dustin, I might have the answer for you. Sit tight one second. Um, let's see. Opening day starter. Dustin, opening day starter is going to be Jake Odorizzi, the guy that got in trade from the Rays. As for who's going to be pitching on your birthday, give me a second. I might have uh, I might have mapped this out in a story I wrote. Yeah. Okay, good news and bad news for you, Dustin. The bad news is that the Twins are going to be playing in Puerto Rico on April 17th. They're, it's, a, it's a home game technically. They're playing the Indians, but they're not going to be in Minnesota. If you're going to Puerto Rico, awesome. Have fun and enjoy the heck out of that game and vacation. But they will be playing on the island uh, to, to uh, sort of build, I don't know, the brand build major league baseball in other countries. You know, they want to take this thing on tour a little bit. Uh, they've done that in years past. And, uh, the bad news is that they won't be at target field on your birthday. The good news is that it'll be Boreos more than likely on the mound. So, uh, that's, that's the good news, bad news of that. Uh, that brings me to the end of my questions here. looks like we're coming up on about an hour Awesome, awesome chat today, guys. Thanks for hanging out. Um, it was a small group, but that means only good questions, so that's a good thing. Uh, you can find this whole feed on my Facebook page. You can find it on the podcast feed if you want to go to Touch Em All. Um, just like I was just telling Spencer, find it on iTunes or find it on Podcast One. Those are my two asks. Check out the podcast. Um, find it wherever you find podcasts. I have an app on my phone that I just go to. Just subscribe to our podcast there. If you hate the first episode you listen to, turn it off, unsubscribe. You don't have to listen again. I won't beg you to ask twice, or I won't beg you to listen twice. But give us one shot. If you like the podcast, if you like the Twins Talk, that'd be awesome. We'd love to have you aboard. The second thing is if you're not already on my email newsletter, you should try to go find that. It's uh, basically at the bottom of all my columns. I link to my newsletter, and I keep people up to date with that as much as I can. I sent out a newsletter late last night with all my thoughts on this stuff, um, opening day roster, who I thought was going to make it, uh, Byron Buxton extension, Jorge Polanco's suspension. All of that stuff made it into the newsletter, and uh, just try to add a little bit of color into that thing. So those are the two things I want you guys to go find. Um, on the way out of this video, make sure you give me a thumbs up. Just give it a like so that maybe, maybe, maybe some of your friends will find the video and they'll come hang out with us next week when there will be real baseball to talk about, which will be all kinds of fun. So thanks for hanging out. That's it for the, the video. I uh, appreciate you guys coming by, and we'll see you next week.